Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the great deficits of Europe has just been Mexican food. I think for even me who doesn't come from a Mexican family, it's almost like an American birthright to like have access to like yeah. fresh, good Mexican food. And we get a lot of Americans like... Wow, this is so cool. And, and, you know, they eat it all the time. And that's one of the things I do like about the States, that people are so open to eating yeah. many different kinds of foods. And they're uh, maybe more knowledgeable yeah. in, some, in some respects. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to be ending that soon. <laughs> Everybody's going to eat fucking mayonnaise sandwiches, uh, you know, and uh, march in military parades. Rocio Sanchez is a boss. Classically trained at Le Cordon Bleu in her hometown of Chicago, she worked at the ineffably great WD-50 in New York, and then at Noma in Copenhagen. But what she's doing now is truly the Lord's work. She's still in Denmark, running her own hugely, fabulously celebrated restaurant, Sanchez, along with a couple of Hija de Sanchez taquerias, forming a much-needed beachhead for legitimate Mexican flavor in Northern Europe. If she had been cooking back when I was living in that part of the world, I may have never left. We recorded this interview way back in May of this year at my friend's house in the THC-laced commune of Christiania. I was a jackass back then. You can tell by the way I keep pronouncing it Copenhagen, as if that would make me more Danish. The drink for this episode? Ginger Shots, which is Rocio's pick-me-up of choice in the morning. It's like something Tim Ferriss would get into, a habit of highly successful people, of which Rocio definitely is one. I'm Nathan Thornburg, and you're listening to The Trip, drinking with exceptional people around the world. It worked? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm glad I should, I should bring ginger shots for myself. Somehow I feel like having uh, something like that before I, I drink any coffee is good for me. <laughs> yeah, right. So have Be- the ginger shot and then... Before we start the cycle of <laughs> coffee. And yeah. I should say as a note, we're recording in this sort of adorable attic room in Christiania. And uh, there's like a, a Disney movie bird scene that's happening outside. <laughs> so if you hear birds, um, it's not like ambient noise we're feeding into the podcast this is these are actual birds you are running two taquerias two yes and a restaurant how would you define sanchez like what's the it's a very casual place and i would describe it between a mixture of a what i would want to be like a cantina and a bistro like european style Mm -hmm. people could say we make mexican food but I would like to say that we just try to make very tasty food with Mexican flavors because we are not very authentic. There's a game to be played about like who's the most authentic, yeah. right? In terms of like who's got the real flavors, who's got the real story, who's allowed to Who's allowed to story. do it, yeah. yeah. But we do make our own tortillas and we do import the corn and chiles and make that effort to have a good base. And I think we just build on top of that. I'm not very articulate about these things, but I can say that... that I got off the plane from Moscow yesterday and went to Sanchez, and uh, it was fucking delicious. 
Oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, like, you had these, like, tacos with uh, small shrimp that were, like, it felt like you were eating something very different. <laughs> you know? Like, they kind of popped a little bit like you were eating, like, um, like a, uh, a bamboo worm or something, you know? <laughs> like, really crunchy, yeah. crispy. They're I, tiny fjord shrimps. And so they're only available between now and around September. And so we just fry them and uh, kind of cut them down a bit and cook them in a salsa diabla, which is a chile and garlic salsa. Wow. So this is like literally the iconic Nordic <laughs> summer, late it is, summer it is, yeah. thing. It is. And they're really fun and tasty. And you're making, you're making tacos with them. Well, the normal way to eat them is you have to painstakingly peel them. Um, and I said, oh, if we had these like in Mexico or if we were cooking them, I'm sure we wouldn't be peeling these. <laughs> We'd fry them because the skin is so tender. Right. It just needs a little extra And then you just push. go from there. The question that is going through my mind, I'm sure, is going through everybody's mind is like, how did you get here? Why Copenhagen? I started working here in, in Copenhagen at Noma way back at the end of 2009. Okay. Um, that's like before Noma was Noma, <laughs> like a long time oh, ago. Oh, they were still kind of known. I mean, yeah. I was, I had known about them. That's where I was inspired to go there. Where had you been cooking before? In New York City, WD-50. Right. Uh, also great a place. terrible restaurant. <laughs> I was there for three years as a pastry sous chef. Okay. When I was going to leave, I decided that I was going to go to Europe. Okay, go to Spain, see what all the fuss is about. Yeah. And also um, try to... See if maybe classic pastry was meant for me, since I was kind of cooking in pastry mainly. Right. And uh, when I was in Spain, I got an email from a friend saying, there's an opening in Noma if you want to come. And I said, I will be there in two weeks. <laughs> and I dropped all the stuff that I was doing in Spain and, and moved here. That was it. And was it a pastry job? It was a pastry job. I didn't even ask. Yeah. <laughs> I just said yes. Just, wow. You uh, were that fired up to be a part of... Yeah, I was that fired up to kind of learn something new. Yeah. And and be challenged in many different ways. And that wasn't happening in Spain. Well, yes, and but I, I really wanted a major challenge to learn different culture and different flavors and all of that. I didn't really see that in Spain for yeah. me. For right. me. There were still some inspirational stuff, but... I wanted something very different. And yeah. I think with with Noma, I felt that because I didn't know much about it. Right. <laughs> and I said, this is perfect because I'm going to be learning from scratch. So then I started uh, at Noma. I was there for about five years. I was their pastry chef uh, for the whole time. But the last three years was mainly in the test kitchen, which was, okay. it's like the the best job in the world. <laughs> Why is that? You don't have to please people? No, you do have to please people, very important people. But <laughs> you're just failing all day, testing all day. You know, it's the same hours. You're still working, you know, 80 hours a week or more. But you're just like testing all the time. Huh. Is it like a farm league for dishes? Like if you do something really well there that it's going to end up in the main restaurant? That's your job. Yeah. You're working on the dishes for the restaurant. Yeah. What's the success rate? Do you have like, uh, <laughs> you know, once every three months a dish comes, it's like, okay, we can send this over or once a week or how well, does that... Well, I mean, I haven't been there in a few years, but when I was there, it, was, uh, it varied because a lot of it is dependent on the, the produce. Yeah. And any chef will agree. Sometimes the, the dish is just perfect with those three things and it's ready to go because everything is perfect. 
it has to do a lot with that and moments and feelings and energies. But I would say it's the majority is failure. I mean, I think that's true of most people's work. They just don't know it. <laughs> so then after that, I, I opened the taqueria. Now, were you, at that point in Noma, were you bringing in some of this Mexican palette to the stuff you were doing? Or are you trying to keep it kind of neutral? No, there was definitely some influences. And that's the great thing about having an international team working on whatever project that everybody has their own outlook. And I think unknowingly, I was also doing it. I remember making this Koji Mole. Okay. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Like this is right when they started making Koji from scratch. And I began roasting it because I wanted to make like a... A dessert with it like caramelized oh, koji yeah. and then i i was doing other things and i left it in the oven and it completely burned and i remember i came back from the other room and someone had left it on my cutting board as a sign of you know like you fucking idiot you left it in there or something and i just took it and i thought wow it's just like coffee beans or something like wow. that beautiful roasted uh, smell okay so i started infusing it in in different uh, liquids and it was very tasty but the grain itself was very tasty and then that kind of went to making a a sauce from this roasted koji that had all the nuances of like a, a really well-balanced complex uh chile mole. and i was like oh my god it's it tastes like mole it's crazy it's this complex it feels complex but it's only two things right the koji and and a liquid but of course, because time of in the, the oven. yeah, time in the oven and time yeah. fermenting and all that. Yeah. But, you know, I was like searching around. It's like mole, mole. And there's like this German guy next to me looking at me blankly. Like, I don't know what mole is. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, I did have a Mexican girl there. And I said, taste this. Isn't this cool? And it's just some sort of like validation yeah. of the idea. <laughs> Meanwhile, the German guy is making some very advanced like Schweinehaxen or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and wondering why you don't get what this, you know, <laughs> this amazing pork and mustard combination that he's come up with. Were you born in Mexico? Were you born? In I was born States? in Chicago. You were born in Chicago. Yeah. Had you spent time in Mexico? I have. Um, my parents are from uh, Guanajuato and okay. San Luis Potosi, north of Mexico City. And I've been there a few times. It like was more summers or not so much summers. Maybe once every few years, but. It was until I was 19 that I started kind of going on my own. And more recently that I've been cooking. Right. Like going there uh, for personal to reasons for or for food. research. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, especially when I wanted to make the taqueria already now in like 2013. I started visiting it more and more. But you had never had a job in Mexico before. No, no. I, I wanted to. There. I wanted to. But it's my life got kind of altered into different directions yeah well here we are in fucking denmark yeah <laughs> so. i always wanted to and i it was something that my parents were not really happy with and i think also because they were immigrants mm -hmm. from mexico right. they're like oh you shouldn't really go there <laughs> it's like but i want to i think i want to go cook in a restaurant and they're like please don't do that like we are not supporting that idea I feel like for and a I, lot of immigrants, yeah. it's just like you know what we we left there, you know, for <laughs> like for why like and I reasons. and I yeah and I thought that it was um, it wasn't a fight I wanted to pick with my parents, especially since they've been so supportive in everything I've done, um, so I didn't do that and and I, then I thought I guess just to 
look into it in my own in my own way yeah and now that's kind of how this developed with having the taqueria and the restaurant What's the like? What's the the lineage there for cooking? Like, is it new to your family? Is it? Well, my my mom wasn't the best cook, uh, but she did make some really nice dishes. Yeah. What was her style like? What was? The... Oh, it was very homey. Yeah. Very homey. Just like um, soups. Like pozole. Yeah. I love pozole. Yeah, like yeah. she's so. I love my mom's pozole. Every time I would go home, I'd be like, "Please make me pozole," <laughs> and it's such a simple dish, yeah. you know. And uh, we make a pozole in the restaurant. It's on the menu. But oh, really? it's with gooseberries. Of it's kind of it those is. things like cookies, like chocolate chip cookies. Like yeah, You don't want to make... Yeah. It's never going to be like mom's pozole. Right. So you just make a different pozole. <laughs> right. Right. You have to go for it. So the gooseberries, is it like the radish? Like, Does it add like a little bit oh, of Oh, it's really bite? good. Yeah. It's really good. Because the gooseberries are a lot like tomatillos in oh, that acidity. Okay. Yeah. So like that pozole is kind of trying to be like a green pozole. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, man. And, of course, Chicago is a place with, like, a century of Mexican, Mexican-American Mexican culture. It's, like... It's huge. The food there is it's in- huge. incredible. You can get by without even speaking English. Yeah. It's amazing. And now it's, like, the gentrifiers are, like, chasing people from neighborhood <laughs> to neighborhood. But it's, it's still, like, it's an incredible... Coming from the West Coast, it was always shocking to me. It was like here in the like you know in the Midwest, you know. But <laughs> the neighborhood I, I grew up in, it felt like little Mexico. What neighborhood was that? It's called Little Village. Okay. La Villita. Yeah. You know, it has like the the fruit stand. Yeah. In the corner with yeah. the guy on the little pushcart. It's the paleta man. The paleta man is yeah. running around, and um, tamales in the corner in the right. winter. It has everything. What is it like to try to represent a, a piece of that here? I mean, not that you're recreating La Vita, but you're just like, <laughs> you know, you, you, for a lot of people, I assume, who come through your restaurants, this is like the best Mexican food they've ever had. I mean, listen, the food's amazing, but just in general, I don't think they probably have gone to any place that's really tried, no. <laughs> you know, like that. Yeah. Is that why you have to, to put some caveats on it to sort of say like, this is one way of doing it, you know? This well, this is, is our way. For example, the tamal. Yeah, yeah. We are not even using pork fat in it, so it's a uh, it's mushroom, mushroom and corn. Wow. You know, so it's like kind of these little things that yeah. we don't want the you know authentic police coming over and saying, hey, that's actually you know you should be with this, and it's like, well, okay, we know the essence, we know everything uh, of like kind of we don't know everything, but we know the basis of Mexican cooking and and the feelings that yeah. you're getting, and that's pretty much what we're trying to do. I do want to make people feel like they're kind of eating in someone's home, you know, so the tortillas feel like freshly made and the meat feels like home cooked and yeah. everything, you know, it's not all perfect. Maybe it's a little sloppy, but it should feel like someone's been cooking for you because yeah. I think that's what you get with a lot of like ethnic food that it's been like slow cooking and right. all of these things. Yeah. And it's interesting, like the sense of like home cooking defines a lot of restaurants yeah and i think as long as there's a base of mexican flavors yeah like the chiles and the fjord shrimp for example yeah I, there's nothing really mexican about it other than that it's in a tortilla right uh, and then there's cabbage and the fjord shrimp but we do make a salsa diabla mm-hmm. so you know it for, if you taste it yeah 
I feel like it could be in Mexico somewhere. I mean, first of all, do Danish people come to your restaurant? They come. I'm very happy that they're coming. It is more international now yeah. in the last few months. I think especially now that Noma reopened. more We have more people in the city. So you're part of the Noma tour. Right? <laughs> Slightly. That sounds, that's cheapening you. In what no, you're doing, I think it's like... it's like when you go to Paris. There's your Paris tour, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and I'm very happy for that. But we, when we opened in November, we did have a lot of locals. Yeah. And that made me so happy mm. and proud because I felt like, well, this is what it's for. We're supposed to make, I'm trying to make a neighborhood place yeah. so that you have that place of like, oh, I go here for my tacos and the feeling I had growing up. Huh. You know, you go here for this taco, you go here for this, or maybe you go there for that paleta, trying to create that place. Uh, it's very important to me to have locals. And I think there's a mix now. What's their feeling about Mexico, Mexicans? There's two people. Yeah. There's the people that are like, bravo, thank you, this is cool. And I'm so happy that I can taste all these flavors and good job. And then there's the people like, this is so expensive. I can't believe Mexican food is this expensive and blah, blah, blah. And then they go off on this tangent. But all they know is... I don't know, the taco diner that's here. You know, that's like, a thing, like a taco diner? You know, like places that make hard shell tacos. Right, right. With uh, yeah. minced meat and uh, guacamole that's like cut with sour cream, stuff like that. These kind of people are like, well, I don't understand or that's fair enough. I mean, that's their right to not understand. That's fair enough. <laughs> I, I always kind of tell my staff there's people that are like going for uh like the Shake Shack or I always say like gasoline grill here because that's my favorite burger. But there's people that go for that in inequality or they go to McDonald's. Right. And and people will always go to McDonald's. Yeah. And people from McDonald's will probably always walk in the gasoline grill and say, why is this burger so expensive? <laughs> yeah. And so it's like there's a misconception that maybe these people actually think that we're just kind of opening up a tortilla bag of frozen tortillas and heating it up and, and here you go. Right. And, and they don't fancy. understand that we're yeah. actually importing tons of corn from Mexico. Yeah. Grinding it every day. Yeah. Stone grinding it and making our salsas, making everything, paying people appropriately and all of that. I mean, they, they don't understand it. So. One of the great deficits of Europe has always been, I mean, Northern Europe and Central Europe in particular, it's just been Mexican food. I think for like, you know, even me who doesn't come from a Mexican family, this is like, it's almost like an American birthright to like have access to like yeah. fresh, good Mexican food. And we get a lot of Americans like, wow, this is so cool. <laughs> and, and, you know, they eat it all the time. And that's one of the things I do like about the States, that people are so open to eating yeah. many different kinds of foods. And they're uh, maybe more knowledgeable yeah. In some in some respects. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be ending that soon. <laughs> Everybody's gonna eat fucking mayonnaise sandwiches, uh, you know, and uh, march in military parades. How are you feeling about Copenhagen as like your future place? I mean, it was sort of an accident that you showed up here, but you've been here now. Almost nine years. <laughs> yeah, that's a long time. It is a long time. I mean, what would you tell people about Copenhagen? I mean, I, I think most people listening to this have never been here. Like, what's the, what is it about this place? Well, I mean, I've been here nine years, and 
I'm probably the worst person to ask because I work a lot. Yeah, this is just a place uh, for a kitchen that you live in. <laughs> it's like I work here. Ah, but that said, I, I do love working here. And um, when I moved here, I did um, love cooking here, love yeah. cooking with the produce. I do think that everything tastes a little different. Um, you know, there's a lot of organic produce and a lot of these things haven't been touched uh with any pesticides and i think that you can definitely feel a little bit of a difference yeah. with vegetables uh than what i was used to in the states so that's been very exciting but on the personal level i i do like biking everywhere right i do like when i'm off that it feels calm and a little bit like this waking up with the birds chirping yeah <laughs> yeah <clears throat> no that can doubt. happen in the city center as well right it's a different feeling when i moved here from new york you know i had this still like new york attitude yeah i had been there for three years you know like shut the fuck up and things like that <laughs> I, I, I hear that on a daily basis <laughs> get the fuck out of my way yes oh uh, that too yeah so you've met oh him. god damn it and um but <laughs> you know when i first moved here there was sundays like almost everything was closed. Hmm, yeah. Like you're literally like, you can't do anything but just chill out and do some laundry or something. Yeah, right. And at first I would hate it. Like, why isn't anything open? And this place is so, so crazy how it just stops. Yeah. And, you know, you feel that it's a huge inconvenience just because you were used to everything being available all the time in the right. States. And I've, I've learned to really love that and just kind of accept things. Or yeah. It's made me a more patient person. But, for example, we had a, a holiday yesterday. Yeah, that's right. We're not getting, like, certain produce in and stuff. And we're like, yeah. this is crazy. Like, right. Or, or are there other prayer days? They, yeah. The same thing happens and the businesses are closed. And you're like, what? That's amazing. This is crazy. <laughs> like, right. for a restaurant. and uh, But you just accept it. For for a country that has decided that God is dead, you know, even yeah. <laughs> Ascension Day will somehow like bring everything to a halt. It doesn't take a lot of excuses. Yeah, mm, they're out there drinking. Yeah, right. Um, so, how do you build a team to make this food here? Like, do you do you train up the Danes? Do you import? How do you get your ingredients? By boat. <laughs> really? Yeah, we By ship boat. tons. Tons. The last shipment in we had uh, was seven tons. Where, what port did it, does it go out from? Uh, from Mexico City. Okay. Mexico City. And we get it from Oaxaca. Maybe some other different things from different places, but... What do you get from Oaxaca? Chiles. Okay. The dried chiles. Yeah. Uh, it's about seven different chiles. Uh, some of the spices. And sometimes chocolate and vanilla. Okay. And mainly the corn. That's the thing. Mainly the corn. Speaking of the masa. Yeah. I'm also trying to work with different people yeah. because it kind of like sparked a a thought that I shouldn't just get the corn from Oaxaca. Yeah. That maybe like spread it out a bit. Right, right. Get it from different parts of Mexico. That's interesting. And it's not easy because whoever is going to help us export has to be able to export tons of corn. Right. And have the paperwork and the manpower. Um so it's a whole process, you know. You pay up front. Yeah. Then they pay the, the people that will harvest, and then they have to package it. So I signed for the restaurant in September. Yeah, but going back to our staff, they're coming from Mexico, most of them. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, and then we do have we have one Danish guy. <laughs> we have how's, one guy from Ecuador. How's he doing? <laughs> he's doing. He's amazing. <laughs> one guy from Ecuador. 
Um, but the Danish guy speaks Spanish. Okay. So we do service in Spanish sometimes. So that's the language of the restaurant yeah, in the kitchen? Yeah, it's a Spanglish restaurant. Yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> But it's it's, it's fun. I mean, the guy that we have on is such a such a great guy. Yeah. He's like really loves Latin flavors. Yeah, yeah. He's worked in a lot of Latin American restaurants. Okay. So it's it's a lot of fun to have him. Is he a good like sounding board for like the Danish palate? You know, <laughs> we're just like, is this going to disgust a Danish person? Like, will they understand this? Will they yeah, go it's crazy good. for it? <laughs> Or like someone comes in speaking Danish, we're like, Oliver, go. <laughs> right. Tell them uh, we're closed. No. <laughs> and I'm talking about this because when I opened in Daqueria, we had a lot, like almost everyone was foreign. Mm. Like European. Not Mexican. No. And that was very hard. Right. That was very hard Just for me. explaining. Explaining everything. Yeah. The second time we opened the, the shop, because it's seasonal, I had six people like... Well, there was like 20 people working yeah. for the summer, but yeah. like six people at once that were all new, Whoa. all students. Yeah. It's like from uh, Poland to from Germany to this place and no one's ever seen a tortilla. Whoa. Oh my God. <laughs> and just explaining this and you're busy, you're like, yeah. Oh. Do you have like, is there like a, a single foul that you remember? Like a single, like, you know, violation of, of kind of the cosmic laws of Mexican food? For me, the only, the only foul, and, and I'll do it now, is like take care of the masa. You know, sometimes because the weather fluctuates in the yeah. summer, uh -huh. if it gets really hot, we have to refrigerate it or right. this and that. That's the only one where I'm like, pay attention. Like, this is like the basis of everything. Right. You know, you have to. Take care of it. What are you making of this stuff that's going on in the States? I mean, obviously, it's been like two and a half years since dude rode down an escalator and called Mexicans rapists. It's been brutal, man. It's hard to look at from the inside uh, and just, you know, even my son's school in New York, you know, it's like Mexicans are jerks. I mean, in your son's school? Yeah, it's fucked up. It's like... Wow. Yeah, it's really happening, you know, it's really happening. But I don't know what that looks like. From out here, I mean, obviously you go back and and so on, but how has that been feeling? And like, do do people here make the connection that that Mexicans are like under attack? They don't. No, care. I I mean, I think that everyone thinks Trump's stupid, <laughs> and everybody kind of Fair. like, yeah, um, I feel bad for you, or yeah, I feel yeah. bad for your country, or they see an idiot that's kind of doesn't understand the world, <laughs> right. I try to not to watch anything anymore. Yeah. In the beginning, I was, and I was getting very emotional about it, especially when he just went into office. And I remember I was in Japan. We were doing a pop-up there with the taqueria. <laughs> oh, nice. And uh, oh, I was so upset about it. I was crying. Yeah. And I, I thought, it's so unfair that that, that kind of outlook is, is, is kind of made on, on Mexicans or immigrants because, you know, my parents, I feel like my parents work so hard and they're good people. And then I think about, you know, that's everyone's parents. It's just kind of like trying to wait it out like everybody else. It's a, it's a fucked up world. All I can do is, I guess, try to lift it a little in Europe. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is like a, another little slight thing that I like to think about. Um, because, you know, we talked about how there isn't very good Mexican food in Europe. Yeah. I would like to change that a little bit. Right. You know, and I do have a good work ethic and I I am very curious and I know what tasty food is. So I feel like I can carry that a little bit 
and try to do my best. Yeah. At least in a place where I know that it deserves more more attention. I mean, I, I have to tell you, this is like a dangerous thing you're doing because <laughs> like Denmark, I mean, it's the same way a lot of European countries. You've got like, you know, uh, subsidized health care. You've got great bike lanes, you've got like, <laughs> uh, free education, and, and literally, I just has always felt like the, the, the deal breaker, the thing that would just keep an American from feeling, you know, whole in this place was the, or at least a Californian, was the lack of Mexican food. <laughs> Wear that circle, then it's just going to be, that'll be it, like, we're all going to come, because, <laughs> like, I won't have to just sit around and, you know, I lived in Berlin for a long time, and I was like, fuck Love this place. <laughs> no tacos. Or like, he needs like some spicy food. Yeah, yeah. So what's happening after Sanchez? Or is it like, I mean, listen, you just opened this place mm -hmm. uh, half a year ago. Do you feel like this is a place that you just want to keep working on? Or do you want to spread this out? Are we going to see you in other towns in Denmark? Um, I really want to focus on it for now um, and see where, like... Give it a little more definition, like see how it develops in a yeah. year. It's so funny. But I, uh, people really loved it. So that's what it's for. Well, and it's amazing. It's like, it's a great confidence that you have to do to do this and to not to not let other people define you in Mexican food. I'm kind of fascinated by that. You know, in the beginning, and I feel like it's still the beginning, it kind of bothered me where I was trying to figure out what kind of box I'm in. Yeah. I grew up in Chicago. I always kind of consider myself Mexican yeah. because I grew up in a Mexican neighborhood. I spoke Spanish as my first language. You know, my Mexican parents spoke Spanish at home, English at school, Spanish at home, English at school. So, you know, I always felt Mexican. And then it wasn't until I left that I I felt like American, huh. you know, because everybody's like, oh, where are you from? And I said, Mexico. Like, but you're from the States. Like, okay, well, I guess I'm American, but I didn't grow up American. <laughs> In a way, I did, I guess, but there's more yeah, right. attachment well, to the Mexican yeah. um, culture. Well, one of the things that I think a number of people should learn in the States is you definitely grew up American. Like, that's a very American <laughs> childhood, right? Like, what could be more American yeah. than that? So I always tell people, I'm from Chicago and I have Mexican parents. Decide whatever you want, and I I'm guess. And in Copenhagen <laughs> and making good food. And well, I mean... I. It's also a little bit for Mexicans, like, oh, you're not Mexican. It's like, well, eh. it bothered me a little bit in the beginning. Um, when you go back there and there's oh, yeah. that sense. Yeah, but I think it's, it doesn't matter in the end. At the end of the day, I'm a chef and I want to cook the food that my parents grew up eating. Or I want to cook uh, in this kind of way or use these ingredients. Yeah. So I don't care anymore. Right. That's you know? a nice place to reach. Does it feel good? <laughs> yeah, it does feel good. Yeah. Because... I know I can trust myself a little. What's the best thing in Danish food? I, I just gotta, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not trolling here. I'm, that's a that's a serious question. The uh, best thing, I would say, my favorite thing would be it's not food but dairy. Okay. Yeah, just, I think it's really nice dairy here. So you, all the crema, like the stuff you're doing at the restaurant, yeah. that's based on yeah. Danish dairy. Mm -hmm. All right. I think that's pretty beautiful. Like yeah. just we get queso fresco made for us a few times a week. Oh, nice! Um, and it isn't exactly the same, but we 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 work with a a very small Italian group. Yeah. Of guys, and we kind of went there and showed them how to make like quesillo. Yeah. Like stretching 
a, a type of mozzarella and adding extra salt and making the queso fresco. And it's not the same. It's not as dry as we're used to. Yeah. But it's still like, wow, this is a really nice cheese. This is one of the things I never understood about Danish people. I love Danish people. Sorry, Danish people. But they live in this place like Limfjord oysters are the size of a hubcap. Like, <laughs> they have this incredible seafood everywhere. And all they want to do is eat fucking pork. It's just like it's just like a pig economy here. Why why is that? I mean, yeah, pork's pork delicious. <laughs> That's, That's why. why. <laughs> carnitas for life. Uh, yeah, okay. I'll eat a carnitas over a oyster any day. <laughs> All right. I think you may have found the right country then. Yeah. You're, you're you're at home with your people. The trip is hosted by me, Nathan Thornburg. Produced by Josie Holtzman and Danielle Roth of Future Projects. Our editor is Roads and Kingdoms' Taffy Mukanyadze. Our executive producers are me and Matt Goulding, also of Roads and Kingdoms. Thanks, as always, to Adele Rodriguez for the art and Dan the Automator for the music. Next week, I'm back in the Bay, talking with this man. For me, it's like it has to be, there's got to be some sort of emotional, physical, psychological, political like intellectual jeopardy in going through the thing for me to feel like it's actually worth doing because I don't think I'm a good enough host to just pull it off on my smile. W. Kamau Bell is a comedian and an Emmy award-winning host of the best show left on CNN, United Shades of America. He's also a deeply good dude. And together we got so jacked on Japanese energy drinks that our hearts started hammering and the words just tumbled out all over the table and the floor and into the microphones. I hope you'll give it a listen. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.